And with that, we are starting our show. That's such a great way to start the show. I love that song. And that song was personally picked out by our guest today, Ron Luxemburg, who is pretty iconic in the music industry and uh, with quite a few other things that he's actually working on right now, which we're going to be talking about on the air today. So I wanted to let everyone know, welcome to the show. Um, I have also my co-host Spencer Drake calling in from New York. And uh, that was Sly and the Family Stone. And I know my guest has, uh, Ron has some stories to tell us about that and why he chose that song. And if anyone wants to call in, please call 347-677-1036. And uh, meanwhile, what we're going to do is we're going to bring Ron on, and this is going to be a really cool show. And uh, we're also going to be celebrating Ron's birthday. Even though it's not till this weekend, we're actually going to be starting early, which I know he wants to do. <laughs> well, well, thank you. It, Are you there, it, Ron? Yes, it's great. <laughs> it's, it's nice to be on uh, with you and uh, dear friend Spencer and uh, sitting here and hearing the full version of that song, thank you for not editing great? it. Um, I did it. Brings, as music always does, uh, it brings back just incredible memories. And uh, I was fortunate enough to work with a lot of key artists in my career. And uh, Sly, obviously, is one of the major ones at the top of the list. And uh, mm-hmm. probably the best story uh with him, as, uh, there's a young man that uh, was at Epic named Stephen Paley, who is a renowned photographer, A&R man, and he was working with me at Epic, and he came in to my office with Sly and Kathy when they were visiting in New York, and he said, you know, it would be a good idea, Sly, if you got married at Madison Square Garden. <laughs> and I said, wait a minute, what a great idea. And I said, we could do that right on the stage with the group, and then we could throw a party. I used to love to throw those. We would throw a party, and where would you like to do the party, Sly? And he said, how about the Waldorf Astoria? And I'm going, yeah. Oh, great. Not even knowing what the budget would be, and I called his manager, and I called a dear friend, Ron Delsner, who was the key concert mm-hmm. promoter next to Bill Graham in New York, and I yeah. said, so you got a sold-out audience for Sly? He says, yeah, 20,000 people. Sure. So I said, well, uh, I think he's going to get married on the stage in front of 20,000 <laughs> people. Mm-hmm. Wow. And I went over to uh, the hotel where Sly was staying because the manager had asked me to come over, uh, and mm-hmm. I couldn't figure out why, but I wanted to see Sly and Kathy and set it up as well. And uh, we got in the elevator, and we got about to the third floor, and I heard that song that you just played. Mm. Yeah? Yeah, it wasn't coming through the speakers. It was coming through the eighth floor where he and the band were staying. (laughs) (laughs) And they made the mistake, the plaza made the mistake of giving them adjoining rooms. So they didn't have to leave their bedrooms and they could rehearse. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Oh, that's great. To say that the concert was absolutely phenomenal and 
Reverend Franklin, which is a whole other story that will be deep into my book that I am attempting to finish. Uh, yeah. That night, that night was just an amazing night when you're sitting in the Waldorf Astoria and a young pianist is there that had just uh, come on the label and um, a group of artists like the Isley Brothers uh, are sitting next to me and some of Sly's friends like Wilson Pickett and a and, uh, few other people. Amazing. And, mm-hmm. and we wedding cake and uh, the maitre d came over to me and he said this party was supposed to be over at (laughs) (laughs) well uh, I may be paying the bill (laughs) but you gotta know you're in charge so why don't you go down to that dance floor and tell everybody they have to leave (laughs) Uh, yeah you know what time we left the Waldorf Astoria got into the Americana Hotel mm. 6 a.m. What time? Oh, my God. I was going to say oh, 5. Wow. I was going to say 5, wow. so I'm close. I, I was going to say 5. Uh, wow. Sly, wow. We, had a great, we had a great deal with Sly that it, we would pay him X mm-hmm. amount of dollars based on the previous sale of an album. And uh, mm-hmm. he came in with a big box and he put it on my desk, and he asked for some money, and I made sure he got it. And that album was the follow-up album called Family Affair. Mm, and right. Oh, nice. Wow. That's, that's nice. what family nice. is all about to him, and mm-hmm. it's what it's mm-hmm. all about to me. Mm-hmm. Family. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, Ron, you know, up talking to you before we scheduled this interview – you have some amazing history and stories. And as I said in the description of the show, these are moments that you had to be there for. And uh, you can only experience them from hearing them from the man himself. So, Ron, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you started out in the recording industry and who you've worked with and a little bit of your fun experiences along the way and some not so uh, I, fun I'm sure I compliment you and Spencer on putting together a uh, brief bio the hardest thing I've had to do for two and a half years was to write I a wrote book it. I wrote it and well okay <laughs> Spencer you can hang up we don't need you now and you know uh, I'll, I'll try to make it as quick and interesting as possible I was a young kid on the south side of Chicago that uh, loved cars, and uh, I was lucky to have a dad that, God rest his soul, that owned the bowling alleys, and uh, at 16 years of age, I was a professional bowler. And oh, wow. I won, won $4,000 in my first tournament, and I went over and bought a Corvette, which I wish I, I still bet. had. Oh, and yeah. I got in the car, Spencer, and I said to my dad, can I borrow $10? He said, what? I spent $4,000 on a car. Yeah, but I don't have money for gas. And uh, that started him saying to me, well, you better get a job. And I said, well, I want to go to school. I want to be a criminal lawyer, and I want to do all that. And they had a great school in Chicago, the University of Chicago, which – uh, I couldn't get in, and I got in my Corvette, and I drove down Michigan Avenue, which was record road. Mm-hmm. I said, if I go mm-hmm. home with Bob, 
everything will be okay. And a uh, young man uh, that uh, invited me to play softball with his dad on the south side of Chicago owned a record distributor called Garmisa Distributing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I put my Corvette into the uh, lot, and I walked in, and I asked to see Lenny, God rest his soul, uh, who's a, a character all unto himself, one of Frank Sinatra's best friends. Mm-hmm. And I said, Lenny, oh, I wow. need a He said, Ron, I, I don't have any jobs for inexperienced people in the music business. I said, <laughs> Teach me. You know, I'll learn. He says, well, okay, you got to start in the warehouse. And I said, mm-hmm. fine. So that was a Friday. Saturday morning, mm-hmm. I go up, and all the salesmen, sales ladies, uh, all the office staff were all at this restaurant called Bugs and Germs, B&G, on Michigan Avenue. And we're sitting there mm-hmm. at 8 o'clock in the morning, and here come these two huge tractor-trailer trucks. And they pull right in front of the distributor. And Lenny comes in, and he says, okay, you 10 take that truck, and you 10 take this truck. He says, do not open the boxes. Put them all on the sidewalk. Mm. And I said, well, how many are they? He says, well, there's about 10,000 in each truck. <laughs> <laughs> and we put them all on the sidewalk. And he says, now the customers are going to come here and line up. And they owe us, if they have a bill, a previous bill, they have to pay it and pay in advance by per box. They couldn't open the box and get tens of this and fives of that. So curious George, me get still on the big tractor trailer. I open up one of the boxes, and it was probably oh, the, probably the juice that got into my veins mm. because one day in five hours, mm. 20,000 albums were sold. Wow. A Hard Day's Night. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. How Incredible. Incredible. What a moment. And then a week later... He asked me to drop off uh, an acetate, which is what the uh, record companies used to tight, uh, mm-hmm. manufacture before they made the record. And it was like a seven-inch, and you could only play it like four or five times. And he was at a NARM meeting, National Association of Record Merchandisers in Florida, and he calls me on the phone and he says, a courier is coming to hand you an acetate. I don't want you to listen to it. I just want you to take it to WLS. <laughs> it was the second most powerful radio station in the United States. WABC in New York was first. WLS was second. 50,000-watt clear channel station. Well, the courier shows up, and again, Curious George says, how's he going to know if I listen to it or not? So I put it on the RCA, that Rick, RCA Victrola, <laughs> the old one. <laughs> You remember Ooh. that? Oh, you're bad. Oh, my God, yeah. You're bad. You played your you're 45s. Bad. Yeah. And I listened to it, and I said, wow, this really sounds good to me. And I got in my car, and I drove to WOS, and I walked into my first radio station visit, not uh, dressed too well, dirty T-shirt, because I'm in the warehouse, right? And mm-hmm. they're all around having lunch, playing a game that I learned later on to always try and lose at called Liar's Poker, where you play with dollar bills. And I asked for the mm-hmm. program director. And he said, uh, I'm the program director. What do you want? And I said, I was asked to bring you this dub. <laughs> and he said, you're interrupting my lunch. 
And I said, well, it's coming from Lenny Garmisi. So oh, we love Lenny. God. He said, do you think it's a hit? And I said, yeah. He says, are you a gambler? And this is in front of all the jocks and a couple of record guys. Said, yeah, gambler. <laughs> if, I this, if I take this upstairs and put it on the radio, and the phones don't light up with requests. <laughs> you agree never to come back here again? And I said, yeah, sure. So I hit my car. I make a right-hand turn on Michigan Avenue. I got about five blocks. And there again came the juice that went in from my left arm to my right arm because the first record I ever promoted was California Dreaming. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Incredible. Incredible, Incredible That's song. amazing. So you ask how I got started, you got those two things under your belt. The rest is just been 55, I think 56 years of a roller coaster, yeah, the business in the mm-hmm. 60s, 80s. But thank God I was able to get that job, and thank God I'm able to title a book from the warehouse to the penthouse. Wow. Yeah. So you're That's currently great. working on a book, and I know you two and a half years. also there. Wow. Yeah, and you, and I know that you also mentioned that you may be working on some documentaries or film stuff soon, maybe. Yeah, the uh, hint, people hint, that hint. are the people that <laughs> hint, hint, hint. The people that are interested. I like. I know. The, the people that are interested mm-hmm. in my, uh, shall we say, life story, um, mm-hmm. have said to me, "We're going to. We all type, are. We're going to take your book You're and exciting. do it because docu's are big right now." <laughs> And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's stories. That's what it is. I mean, Spencer knows mm-hmm. a lot of them, you know. Yeah. yeah. I, I, Ron, I want to ask you something. Uh, you you work with and sign so many famous, as well-known uh, people in music. Uh, what, can you tell us about the, the one group that fascinated me was Boston because they went multi-multi-platinum on their first album and I believe second album also. Could you tell us about that, the signing of them, or how you got hooked oh, sure. up with them? Yeah, sure. There was uh, Boston became a very hotbed of music. You had Aerosmith and you had Boston, and uh, mm-hmm. I was at a R and R convention in Den- in Dallas, Radio and Records, that was uh, started by uh, Robert Kardashian, God rest his soul, my dear friend. And uh, mm-hmm. I always traveled with uh, in those days a portable record player and uh i had it in my room and it was about two o'clock in the morning and there's a knock on the door i was about trying to go to sleep and there was a young man paula hearn who was a promotion man for electra and he said ron i know you got a record player i want you to hear a group that i found in boston i'd like to play it for you and our uh, A&R head at the time um, was Lenny Pizzi. Oh, Lenny yeah. It's from Boston. Right. And I said to myself, if I'm going to have to listen to something at 2 o'clock in the morning, so are you. <laughs> so he came into my room, and we heard more than a feeling, and I said, I want it. Now, mm. in 1976, yep. if there was a magical year for my career, mm. it was 1976. Mm-hmm. Because that was the year that we signed Boston, mm-hmm. Meatloaf, wow. some kid, some kid you may have heard of called Michael Jackson. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Boston, That's amazing. Boston's story is 
a good one and a bad one because the album we were not prepared for the success that it had immediately. Mm-hmm. It was the fastest breaking gold album that really, Columbia yeah. or Epic ever had. Yeah. And yeah. it's the biggest debut album for a group to this day. Wow. And I'm not sure of the exact figures, somewhere around 30 million worldwide. Right. That's exactly right. But Ron Delsner, back to him, says to me, this group you got, Boston, they got to play the garden. So I called Tom Scholes, Paula Hearn, and I said, you guys got your first gig in New York? Where? They thought it would be the Fillmore. I said, Madison Square Garden, you're going to open up for Sammy Hager. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. They They come in. They get on the stage. If you look at the label, you'll see eight songs. Those were the only eight songs they knew. Mm. So it only took maybe 25, 30 minutes to play those eight songs, and they walked off the stage. Ron Delsner comes over to me, and he says, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. (laughs) I need to fill another half hour before the headliner goes on. I walked to the dressing room, and I said, hey, guys, you got to go back. You know anything else? They didn't. So... I suggested that they do the same set again. Wow. And they did. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> Tom Scholes was not happy with me because we didn't put a picture of the group on the cover. They had an amazing right. cover, Spencer, if you remember. Oh, I love the illustration. It's beautiful. Yeah, you're the designer. Mm-hmm. They had the ship. Great cover. Yeah. And it was before the Genesis cover. Right, and, you're right. Uh-huh. Right, right. Yes, and uh, I'm very proud of the fact that Mel Phillips, who was at RKO as the program director, literally got BCN in Boston and RKO in Boston. And mm-hmm. I think the only record they were playing for a while was the group Boston. And the Harvard Coupe, which normally would order 10s and 15s, they ordered a thousand albums. Wow. And we weren't prepared. And so I <laughs> is truly really calling the wow. factory and saying, uh, mm-hmm. I made a mistake. Uh, uh, I didn't order enough. And they said, well, what would you like? And I said, how fast can you make 50,000 albums? And he mm. said, are you not? Oh, wow. Well, you know what? In two weeks, they were gone. Wow. That's wow. insane. That's- Great story. Yep. Mm-hmm. We have a story. Well, I, I know. Yeah, I know another. I know more. another musician close yeah. to your heart is Meatloaf. Yeah, you must Absolutely. talk about Meatloaf. Well, Meatloaf changed his name the day that I got Hilbrin called me and he said, "I want to quote you on Meatloaf." I said, "You mean Mr. Loaf?" <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> he wrote his name up as Mr. Loaf. And uh, Todd Rundgren well, made I, that album. And Todd was a Warner Brothers artist, obviously. And Mm -hmm. Steve Popovich, who was the head of A&R of Epic, is really responsible for bringing Meatloaf to fruition. And uh, Steve was uh, working with me as the head of A&R. And it was, Mm -hmm. uh, again, a Friday night. That was the lucky night of the week. And uh, I had a 15 IPS machine in my office. Not too many people in the building had that, even though Steve owned recording studios all over New York City. But I had this big machine, and they left me the two-track copy of the master. 
And they said, Ron, will you listen to this and let us know what you think? And Todd, I believe, was staying at the Warwick Hotel. Steve Popovich was living in Freehold. So he drove home. Todd went to the hotel. And I'm there by myself. And I took the reel and I put it on the machine. And I had these new studio speakers, Yuri Studio Monitors, that Bobby Columbia, the drummer from Blood, Sweat, and Tears, had told me to Mm -hmm. buy. Mm -hmm. I got them and I installed them. And they were monster speakers. Wow. I was playing this Bad Out of Hell album so loud <laughs> when Todd called me and he said, what do you think of the album? I said, this is the most powerful album I've ever heard. It just blew the lights out in New York. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. And it did. Yeah, it was. Funny. It did. All the lights went out. Oh, yep. my God. That's incredible. Yeah. You and know, me- I have something... Go ahead. I'm sorry, Ron. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 no. No need to apologize at all because I get wrapped up in these stories. Meatloaf is now living in Nashville. Uh, his mm-hmm. health is taking a turn for the worse, but it's getting better. Oh, because, uh, wow. He, he uh, was doing a meet and greet and fell off the stage and banged up. Oh, my God. Time. And there's a little label that I'm getting involved in again, thank God, uh, called Cleveland International being run Very by cool. son and mm-hmm. meet will be recording you're getting an exclusive guys meet will be recording an album uh in january i yeah. hope he takes my suggestion of a title called last at bat because he thinks yeah, that's this a good is one last album mm-hmm. and again jim steinman has given oh, him great. two unreleased wow. songs and uh, now meet and Steve Popovich Jr. Uh, and myself uh, are going to put it together for Cleveland International Records. Wonderful. That's awesome. Absolutely. You know, I have something funny to tell you, Ron. I can tell you, Meatloaf, what he used to do before he started singing and when he was getting into singing, he used to be a babysitter. He used to show up on his on his bike. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Did he scare the babies? He did. I've had stories when they opened up the door, a guy rode up on the motorcycle, got off, and they go, the babysitter's here. They open it up, and it's (laughs) a big guy. Well, one of the quickies that uh, meet and I laugh about all the time, David Sonnenberg was his lawyer and manager. Uh Uh-huh. And he did uh-huh. a terrific job in those days. And yeah, he did. We had, he had me perform for the CBS mm-hmm. record convention, and Meat, as you can imagine, perspires heavily. And mm-hmm. I had, I had to have a cool jacket on, so I bought this suede sport coat. And at the end of the set, Spencer, I walked over, I gave him a hug. Oh. My. Yeah, my sport coat was drenched. Oh, and, my God. Uh, yeah. And Haley oh, no. took a picture that is going to be in my book oh, of wow. that picture. Where it's oh, meet, that's going to be fun. Yeah. Meet, yeah. Meet, meet totally disheveled. And me <laughs> trying to say, now, how do I put this expense on my expense account? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Getting too close to comfort there. You know, hey, uh, you know, uh, Holly, i got to ask Ron one more question. Ron, how did you get uh, hooked up with Epic, Epic Records? 
Well, Epic was on the 13th floor of the CBS building, and Columbia was on the 12th. Mm-hmm. And I, being the head of promotion of Columbia, uh, the youngest one they ever had, uh, I was pretty spoiled because Columbia was, you know, just the best. And yeah. it went from Barbara Streisand to Simon and Garfunkel to The Birds to Bob Dylan, blah, 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 and so many hit records. And I never paid attention to Epic, other than knowing I liked Bobby Vinton and I liked Poco and Billy Sherrill, God rest his soul, was mm-hmm. one of the best writers that ever came along. And he produced Tammy Wynette, which I adored. And one day, Clive Davis called me into his office, and he said, you know, Columbia's established. It's a big label. You're the head of promotion of Columbia, but I really want to make a change, and I'd like you to take over Epic. And I said, no way. I don't want any wow. problem. Wow, that's great. Wow. And wow. Said, well, think about it. He said, uh, you'll be a vice president. You know, in those days, they gave titles, no money. Right, and, right, And, right. uh I thought about it, and then I had such a phenomenal, my entire career to this day, staff. It was mm. all about the staff and the people mm. that True. made Label and made Epic and made Infinity mm. and everything, anything I owe success to. It's the people that I was fortunate enough to surround myself with. And, That's uh, amazing. Let me go up to the 13th floor and just walk around and see what kind of acceptance I might get. Mm. Well, it was a rude awakening because nobody was talking to me. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Word, word had gotten mm. out that they were make a change and that mm. I might be the person. Right. So right. I asked everybody that day to step into the office. And again, here it is, a Friday. Wow. I said, I have been offered the head of this label. I'm a team player. And I will make no changes if you guys decide you want to be on my team. Wow, if not, great. If not, come Monday, CBS has this thing where they put a package together mm. to pay you mm-hmm. off. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, I'm happy to say that when I showed up, I accepted the job mm. uh, at Clive's home on a Sunday morning because uh, I drove into the city. They have locks and bagels from Zabar's. And, uh, oh, good thing. <laughs> yeah, my good favorite. <laughs> and we laughed. And he said, well, yes or no? And I said, yeah, I like challenges. And there was Sly getting ready to release some <laughs> records. And there was Folk Wow. Mm-hmm. There was Tammy Wynette. And there was Bobby Vinton. And there was some other artists that uh, he wanted me to listen to. And I took the job. And I have to tell you, from day one, it was uh, a dream come true because we signed bands that a lot of people had turned down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was turned down. Yeah. Boston that was turned true. down. Kansas was turned down. The Isley Brothers, yeah. they were finished. Yeah, okay? wow. Wow. And it continued on till I went to lunch one day and uh, came back after a few cocktails of my own at Toot Shores. And here's these two... Indians sitting on my couch in full headdress. And I looked and I said, who are you? And I said, we're we're Redbone. Oh, wow. 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 And they played for me Witch Queen of New Orleans. Mm. And they ended up on Epic. had big hits. 
And then we decided to go into Spencer, you remember the associated labels. Where yeah, right. Exactly. We started yeah. to distribute labels of people mm-hmm. that the artists didn't want to sign with Columbia or Epic, but they were wanted to be distributed mm-hmm. by us. So right, we took right. Monument, Philadelphia International. I got Ray Stevens, who I always loved and wanted to work with. Mm-hmm. Philadelphia International with the OJs, the Isley Brothers, Teddy oh, Pendergrass, oh. Three Degrees, you know. And uh, we ended up with 11 labels. And if you'll allow me one more sentence, we had 50 gold albums in one year. Oh, my God. Wow. That's right. That's right. I remember reading that, that you had 50 gold albums in one year. That's unbelievable. Wow. So, Ron, you really made it into a visionary label because you picked up people that that they discarded and became... Amazing, right? I mean, and they became so something, yeah. And not all labels are like that, Ron, right? Not all labels are like mm-hmm. that. Not, not no. all labels do that or have the head there trip labels, for it. There are labels that I respected in those days. Island yeah. was one of them. Oh, I was the best. Yeah. A real mm-hmm. record guy. Electra with Jack Coltsman, a real record guy. Uh, the Mo Austin era at Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. A&M was the independent label that was phenomenal, and I did get a chance after many, many years at a BMI, and thank you for running that picture that had Al Bell and Barry like Gordy. It? Isn't that cute? I love that picture. Mm, it's a nice well, picture. Well, insight. That was the first time I ever met Barry Gordy, and Michael wow. Adar mm-hmm. didn't find that they can, had the success, and I went up to Barry Gordy, and I said, I'm Ronald Luxemburg. He says, I know who you are. <laughs> and I said, I, before you say another word, Barry, I would have worked for you for nothing because wow. I love that label. Wow. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's incredible. You know, incredible. Ron, you know, Ron, what I wanted to ask you about was a story you told me when we were talking the first time about the gentleman that drove all the way across country to your house and showed up on your doorstep with the with an album. <laughs> Remember, we talked oh, about Cheap Trick. Well, no, he didn't. He didn't drive to my house. He there was a man working with me, who I adore to uh-huh. this day. His wife called Jim Charney, and he's mm-hmm. from Milwaukee. And he was the one that brought Cheap Trick to Epic Records. Wow! And See? Rick yeah. Nielsen stood at my door, and I looked at him with his baseball hat tipped off to the side. Right. Mm-hmm. I think Jim was with him. And I said, who are you? Yes. I have a big hit record in Milwaukee. I said, yeah, what is it? I want you to want me. I said, I do. Oh. I do. I want you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, that's great. Yeah, that's we, so we great. had a lot of fun. Uh, there's a young man that uh, has done extremely well. Uh, Mark Schoenfeld is his name. He's not mm-hmm. in the music business per se, but he's a screenwriter, a scriptwriter, and he doesn't drive a car. And he got his father, God rest his soul, to drive from uh, New, uh, from Boston <laughs> to my house. And he rang my doorbell. Wow. And he uh, turned out not only to be a family friend, but a terrific. A Broadway show writer. He wrote uh, Brooklyn the Musical, and uh, oh, he wow. is very close mm. to my son-in-law Scott Priceand, 
you'll allow me to put in a plug for him. He uh, produced a bunch of Yeah, quite other... the family, that's right. That's yeah, right. well, he pre- family. Let's talk about He produced, uh, right now he's got Heartbreak Hotel in Vegas along with Chris Angel. Mm-hmm. He was one of the key producers mm-hmm. in Rock of Ages, and uh, that just reopened in New York. And uh, mm-hmm. it all started out with uh, him uh, asking for my daughter's hand at uh, my favorite restaurant in the United States, actually, called Don Pepe's. I'll put in a plug for that. Italian restaurant in Ozone Park on Lefferts Boulevard. And oh, really? He, oh, yeah. And he took me there, and uh, we sat at the table, and he asked for our daughter's hand in marriage. and. Wow. I started to cry. I stood up, and the waiters, who were friends of mine, thought he hit me, and they wanted to beat him up. And I said, oh, no, he's, <laughs> he's going to be my son-in-law. Well, as it turns out, he's made uh, films. Uh, Big Bach was a company that he helped start, and he and my daughter wrote a movie called The Tension Ring that hopefully mm-hmm. will get into production. But Marnie came to me and said, Dad, I'm moving to California, and Scott will come with me. They were engaged, and I said, fine, go ahead. She said, Dad, I think I'm going to end up being an actress. And I said, Marnie, you're a better actress than you are a singer. She Mm. didn't like that. Mm. But she called me, and she said, Dad, I think I screwed up. I said, what would you do? I got a phone call. Most of the guys out here are all you know, they're all hitting on women all the time and hitting on me. I got an engagement ring on my finger. This guy calls me on the phone and he said, I heard you have a Long Island accent. Now, I don't know if there is such a thing, but he said that to her. He said, I want you to read a line that we're putting in a movie you were recommended. So she read the line, what a schmuck. That's the line. She hung up on him. And I said, Marnie, what was, what was his name? goes, Peter, Peter Fairley. I'm going, really, Marnie? You just hung up on a man and his brother that made Dumb and Dumber, Liar, Liar? (laughs) Thank God. Jewish people have a word called beshert that means meant to be, fate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was caller ID. She called him back and said, just kidding. And he said, really? Just kidding? Tomorrow morning, get on a plane from Los Angeles, fly down to Florida, and screen test for a movie we're making. Wow. Oh, wow. Would you like, wow. To, know, would you like to know what that movie was and still is and is yes. on every day? What? 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 Something about Mary. Oh, wow. That's, That's a great right. film. You told me about That's a that. great film. Right. Yeah. I remember so you now, telling me that. Yes, we have two, two daughters with her, a... Uh, a 16-year-old granddaughter that uh, is now in her second year at uh, Beverly Hills High School, MVP, softball, basketball, straight A's, Cozy. Her name is Cosette. And then we have an 11-year-old who will be 12 next week, uh, Brady, who's the actress that Marnie was as a little girl. And then our daughter, Ivy. Spencer, you may have remembered meeting Ivy Ivy worked for, when she got out here, Jay Leno, Howie Mandel, Whoopi Goldberg, Queen Latifah, put oh the talk God. on here. She's an independent talent booker. And we have two grandchildren with her and her husband, Adam, mm-hmm. uh, my 17-year-old grandson, and uh, my 14-year-old granddaughter, 
who uh, is entering Calabasas High School. So we moved here wow. to be with. That's why we're here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never wanted that's to live amazing. here. Never wanted to live in California. And the other day, <laughs> you love it. I think it was when I was on the phone with you and Rochelle and Ari, um, our son Ari and my wife Rochelle, who I must say, God gifted me with her 53 years of marriage. Congratulations. Uh, mm-hmm. Congratulations. She said, I won't she use the language the that she said, but she felt the kitchen table move and the blinds mm. move. And she mm. said, Ron, what was that? <laughs> and I said, welcome to California, honey. We're now in California. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you got your earthquake. Wow. Fam- family. That's amazing. Uh, my whole life of business, I've had a close friend who's more than a friend. He's a brother to me, Joel Newman. Uh, mm-hmm. and so I think you may remember him. Yeah, I do. Joel, I remember Joel Newman. Joel, we're the godparents to his children. Oh, that's and, great. Uh, I know that. Uh, Joel lives in Woodland Hills, and we live in mm-hmm. West Hills, not far wow. from each other. Well, wow. so, you know, uh, I'm very fortunate to have moved out here with God kids and some pretty close friends and family, of course. But anybody that knows me, Holly uh, and Spencer, will know that my family is what's important to me. Mm. Absolutely. That's oh, what, really? You yeah. know what I love? No, you know what I love is when you call... Well, not any, not everybody has Ron's phone number, but when you call your number, Ron, it's this perfect voicemail. And then in the background, you hear a couple people crying. They're like, ah. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got I to tell you what you said, Holly. I'm going to give you an insight. So getting, getting, getting around California can be mind-blowing. Uh-huh. And yeah. thank God ways. And being able to get on ways and 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 find my way around, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Customize the voices on ways. Oh yeah, yeah. So oh, on my wow. ways, oh, yeah, yeah. On my ways are my two grandkids. <laughs> Who do you have? And oh, two really? of the four grandkids, and the little one, the eleven-year-old, she's as cute as they come. Make a right. You will come up. You will make a left. You will make a right. I got my 11-year-old. I help go. You know what voice I have on mine? The Terminator. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I, I had them all. I had, I, I'm very fond of, of a very dear friend of mine, Johnny Mathis, and I had him, I had him in the car with me, and there was a uh, very, uh, shall we say, gay individual that uh, I put on giving directions, and Mathis almost fell out of the car when he heard it, you know. Oh, he wow. said, who is that? I said, oh, it's, it's a new office of mine, Johnny. But Johnny just celebrated his 80th birthday, and we just went to this wow. concert. Phenomenal. Just That's phenomenal. That's great. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah but, you know, riding around gonna... California, you see, I never stayed uh-huh. more than two or three days. It was always in a hotel. It would always go to the restaurants. And uh, now that you live here, it's a whole different ball game, but I still look You're for in one place. Well, yeah. one thing I say in the book, and you know, Dan Beck will tell you, uh, the next number one song is being written somewhere, and I want to hear it. Mm. That's so true. Yeah, that is so true. Yeah, absolutely. Or it's been I, written I wanna, already. I wanna... We just haven't heard it. What were you Holly, I want to cut in here a little bit because uh, Ron no, said. Go uh, ahead. It, 
uh, Dan Beck, and I worked with Dan Beck, one of the one of the smartest music people at Epic, and mm-hmm. I was fortunate to work on Aldo Nova's uh, first album, Subject Aldo Nova, which happened to be Ron the first computerized art cover ever done in the music business, and it's a great album. And uh, but Dan, uh, I was happy to hear that Ron was working with Dan. I did not know that until Ron told me about uh, this book. And I said, mm-hmm. what a wonderful combination, because Dan is a very smart music person, if you know him, and he knows the business, and it's just a per- perfect compliment for Ron. So I'm very happy both of them hooked up here. Oh, no, yeah. absolutely. Dan is a very special person, and he has uh, been given a request by me where uh, I asked him to interview uh, some of the most influential people in my career. Obviously, it would be my mm-hmm. parents that are still alive, God rest their soul. <laughs> and, oh. and said to me, what are you going to do with the interviews? I said, well, I'm not going to listen to them or, or edit them. They're going to go right in the book. Mm. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's never been done. So who knows? I mean, Rochelle may tell 53 years of stories about me that I never heard her tell. Uh. But... <laughs> <laughs> Dan, is, Dan has been, but yeah, you haven't really people don't really know how bright he really is. And he is song he's very smart. Well. He wrote songs for Dion. We ended up having Dion um, on one of the labels that we distributed. You know, um, mm-hmm. yeah. But you know, the music business has gone through so many changes. The roller coaster uh, of life seems to be. From the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, you can hear a song from those years, and it just brings back unbelievable memories. I mean, look at you now. Oh, you play yeah. the you play the the Sly record, and my head goes right mm-hmm. back to wedding and yeah. handing him a yeah. platinum mm-hmm. album. Stephen Paley taking the album cover shots, uh, being this extraordinary photographer, um, and we're friends to this day. That picture that you were nice enough to post of Rochelle and I. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen Paley took that out here. That's um, great. Yeah. So I'm very big on art, photography. Album covers were so important that it got away from vinyl, and now vinyl looks like it's making a strong comeback. It's back. It's coming back. I'm I'm on the. Uh, by the way, in. Ron, I'm on the making vinyl event committee, which is involved with Jack White and. Uh, Little Stephen Van Zandt, and uh, it's it's every year just on vinyl run, and on Judith, my partner Judith and I are judges every year in this vinyl, and it's all about vinyl packaging. It's all about vinyl. It's it's big time. You know, it's coming back big time, right? And I'm oh, yeah. I'm not I, as a Grammy judge. I'm also judging the Grammy album packaging area, and that tons of vinyl coming in bigger every year are being entered. You know, so it's a big thing. You know. Well, I've I've been uh, working with. Uh, uh, a company out here. Uh, I try to explain to people CDs are being sold now for fifty cents and a dollar. Yeah, you're right. And uh, you know, there's a record store uh, out here called Freak Beat, and mm. it's a small store, but it's one of the greatest moments. Now, you know, the business went down. People ask me what happened to it. I said, the minute Tower Records lost out. Oh yeah. That's yeah. when retail, retail right. really went in the toilet. Yeah. And, I mean, people don't even remember that I used to take artists like Andy Williams or Johnny Mathis or Tony Bennett up to do in-store appearances at Corvettes. 
E.J. Corbett. Wow. Mm-hmm. wow, yeah. Mm-hmm. They were the biggest. You could, I mean, where do the kids, where does anybody go right now other than online? Okay, streaming, okay. But you lose so much when you don't have a 12-inch. Yeah, definitely. And the lyrics, the mm-hmm. lyrics. The smell and right. the sound. Right now are singer-songwriters. It is so difficult. And it's not I mean, you look at Diane Warren, mm-hmm. and I'm, I reunited myself with Allie Willis. Uh, wow. Do you remember her? I, I've heard the name. I heard the name. Well, you I, heard the name. I she only Allie wrote the hit yeah. for Earth, Wind, and Fire, and she was a copywriter for Columbia that was writing ads mm-hmm. for Colombian Epic. And she wow. moved to California, and mm-hmm. she'd be a phenomenal interview for you, Allie Willis. Wow. Yeah, yep. that's great. Yeah, we'll have to look into that, Spencer, that's and right. bring her on to that's one of exactly our sh- right. one of the shows. We do shows on Wednesdays usually. I do shows, um, indie shows, but I bring shows on over. And since it was your birthday, and um, our Fridays that I do with Spencer are normally booked are pretty much booked up. But um, I myself, Holly Steffi, with Red Velvet Media, do shows on Wednesdays too. But this one here is really special. Hey. I think your friend is calling in um, on on the air. I'm going to bring him on real quick. Uh, let's okay. see who's calling in. Hold on Dan. a second here. Mr. Beck. Let's see who it is. 516, you're on the air. Who's this? Hello, Ron? Hello. It's, Hello. Dan, Beck. it's Dan Beck. Happy birthday. Hi, Dan. Hi. Hey, How are you, Dan? <laughs> My ears were welcome burning. Welcome to the show, Dan. <laughs> welcome to the show, Dan. It's Holly. Welcome, welcome, nice Dan. Nice to meet you. Thanks. It's uh, well, I don't want to stay long because you know Ron's got a million great stories and he should just keep telling them. But uh, <laughs> uh, I just wanted to uh, wish him a, a big happy birthday and uh, great to hear him on the air with you with uh, and telling all these great stories. Well, it wouldn't be realistic. It wouldn't be realistic, Dan, if you hadn't agreed to allow me to torture you to finish this book. <laughs> well, there are some good stories down, and and uh, and uh, I, you'll especially enjoy the ones from Rochelle. <laughs> oh well, yeah, she's kind of oh, like you wow. know, not said anything. She said, uh, "Dan and I have an understanding." I'm going, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> yeah, we we still have to do another session. So yeah. the next next time right. I get back to to uh, uh, to L.A., uh, got, Rochelle and I've got to sit down again. You got an eleven year old. My granddaughter overheard me talking about the book and the title, and you helping me. Without you, the book doesn't get done. And right. she said to me, "Papa Ron, this is an eleven year old that's going on 50 yet." <laughs> she said, Papa oh, Ron. that's funny, Papa Ron. You talked to, talk to Max, <laughs> my grandson, yeah, and my mother, yeah, and my grandmother, yeah, and my aunt, Ivy. What about me? I said, Brady, what, <laughs> what do you have to say? That you that's show funny. up at every one of my events. You know, I mean, so from your grandfather, you know what it's like. I mean, it changed my whole life being a grandfather. No, it's uh, it's a, a total gift. It's uh, just an amazing thing. It's uh, hey, Ron, you should uh, you should tell a couple of Michael stories. Oh yeah, well I'll let you be the one to tell that in the book. But uh, <laughs> you know what happened? Uh, everyone should hear this, and Dan knows more than the average bear because I've told him more. And the book will tell stories, truisms 
when uh, I went, I was in New York for a short period of time, Dan, and I didn't call you because I was only in overnight, because I had to take a picture of room 805 at the Warwick, because that's where I met Michael the day that I said to him, my name is Ronald Luxemburg, and I'd like to talk to you about coming to Epic Records. So I took that picture right. of the and we walked over to my office, and we sat there, and we talked through the night where I said to Michael, what do you want to do? He said, someday I'd like to do my own music. I said, done. That took wow. care of that. But hey, when uh, Arthur I, Taylor, and there wow. it is, the name, wow. when Arthur Taylor, the president of CBS, refused my deal, mm. and Walter Yetnikoff told me that uh, I had to go up to the 35th floor of the CBS building and explain why I wanted to sign the Jacksons, primarily Michael. And he said, I can't approve your deal. I said, why is that? He said, they're a cartoon act. They're on, <laughs> they're on CBS Saturday mornings. And I said, you see that building next door? It's called ABC. I will go over and see Elton Rule or Leonard Goldenson and make them buy Epic Records because I want that kid. And I had already had the deal. We were already set to send them to Philadelphia for gambling us. And wow. That's great. And the only disagreement Michael and I ever had is I asked him not to do the whiz because I said the world in those days in 78 was not ready to accept the black Dorothy. It was mm -hmm. Judy Garland's role. Mm -hmm. That was it. Right, right. And uh, Quincy Jones and I, you know, coming out of Chicago, I can't marvel a man more than I did him. And, you know, Michael was just uh, very special. And I have been asked, as Dan knows, so many interviews, none of that. None of what you saw, none of what you heard, none of what Dan knows more than the average bear, because Dan was involved with Michael as well. And when you take mm -hmm. a young man that had people who were dying, kids with cancer, and take care of them for 10 mm -hmm. days or two weeks, whatever it was, Dan, a week, mm -hmm. and never once did they ever show that part of him. Right. So, yeah. you know, it's true. I was fortunate enough to sign an icon. The icon was Michael Jackson. I listen. Well, I had Dan it's Spencer yeah. here, and I yeah, wanted I wanted to thank you uh, while I have you on the show. I want to thank you so much for being in my music life and uh, working with you and Epic was one of my treats in life. And Ron was part of Epic, of course. And uh, I want you to know. I don't know if you know the Aldo Nova cover that I worked with you on sure. uh, is in is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame collection, and you, it could be accessed by anybody. Uh, at the Rock Hall, but I wanted to tell you that because you were a major part of that. You know, you brought me into the project, and I completed it, and it was one of the uh, uh, it was a great album. And, That's great. Uh, the cover is in. The cover is in. You know? And the first digital uh, digital yeah, artwork it was the cover. First digital album. Most people don't know. No, nobody knows that. it's the first digital art album cover, digitally uh, right formed art cover ever in the music business. Yeah. Which is quite an amazing thing with Kinnablock. Remember Kinnablock in Canada, Kinnablock, and uh, I can remember the squares, Dan. The squares, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the old days, but uh, but it was a pleasure working with you. And uh, like I mentioned on the show before you came on, uh, you you were a very smart person. I liked working with you because you really had your. I could tell you had your feet on the ground there. You were really like together with the experience. Well, you know, Ron brought me up from Nashville. I I got. Got started in Nashville, and really, uh, 
Uh, and uh, it was Ron who brought me to New York and working with wow. he and That's Steve fantastic. Popovich. And that I didn't know. Wow. Yeah, oh, it's wow. Story. Great story. Great story. So, uh, well, the, you know, as well, I worked with Tammy and Tammy and George yeah. and uh, Charlie Rich and mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. great yeah. wow. uh, roster down wow. there. And, uh, and you know, Ron hasn't even mentioned how much of a uh, – an advocate he was mm. for those great country acts. Uh, mm. But I was a rock and roller down there and uh, started <laughs> wow. a publicity, de- publicity department and, for Epic and Columbia. And then uh, Ron said, hey, get up to New York. <laughs> so uh, I came up in 75, and as Ron said, you know, that, that um, amazing time period uh, mm. in the mid-70s with, with mm, the, right. all the ex- explosive acts that we had both on Epic and through the associated labels. Right. So it was a, an amazing experience for me. I was a 25-year-old kid in New York uh, running the publicity department. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I'm not embarrassed Dan Beck, but as I said, Holly and, and uh, Spencer before, I was one of the lucky ones that had the ability to attract the best staff in the business. Mm, right. You did. And, you and, did, man. And artists, hey, listen, artists yep. come and go. Most of them got selective amnesia. They forget. <laughs> they forget to lay down on the street for them. That's great. Managers, managers take their 20% and torture you and ask you where your billboard full-page ad is and where your outdoor <laughs> bulletin is and all that. But it was staff, it was people yeah. like Dan Beck, that I put into a Xerox machine and ran off copies. At the, <laughs> it, none of that would have happened without them. Right, right. Yeah. Well, well we can Ron, I'm going to go and let you guys you uh, continue with some, some, some great stories to the rest hey, of this broadcast. Hey, thanks for being uh, on, Dan. Broadcast. Thanks for coming on, man. So All right, guys, take Thank care. Thank you so much for See you calling. later. All right, happy yeah. birthday, Ron. Thank you. Give my best at home. I will, and hey, you too. Me too. Me too, right. bro. Hey, Ron. Hey, I wanted to say real what? quick, real quick, hold yep. on, Spencer, hold on. I, I want to say real quick to everyone, if sorry. you're tuning in late, don't be sorry, it's cool. We have a little over overlay here. I just wanted to say to everyone that's call, that wants, that's listening live right now, if you missed the beginning of the show, it will be available afterwards on Red Velvet Media, Blog Talk Radio, as a podcast, and also on iTunes. And um, if you have the link... You can go directly to that, and uh, there will be a little cloud there. You can download it. And uh, what else? Um, yeah, you can listen to it in entirety. And if you want to still call in, we're on the air for a little bit longer. If there's anyone out there that has a burning desire to call in, um, mm. it's 347-677-1036. And with that, I think we should get back to celebrating Ron's Birthday, Ron. What are you gonna, What are you planning for your birthday? I know your family has something planned for you. They have to. Got enough uh, of them there. You know, it's interesting. We <laughs> moved here to be with our grandkids, and they went to camp. Mm-hmm. And this, oh wow! Oh wow! So, <laughs> uh, but our our uh, oldest daughter Ivy has planned something with my wife that I told them just pick me up and let's uh, celebrate. You know, uh, birthdays. Oh, Birthdays are 90% good and 10% the frustration as you get older. Mm. The memories 
of what was great, like my parents, uh, you know, it all enters into what I've been fortunate enough in my 55 or six years in the music business uh, to look back on. And I think with this book mm-hmm. and docu and having people like yourselves, you and uh, and Spencer, uh, triggering my brain to come back to some of these stories, you know, uh, it's just incredible. The, that one picture before you sign off that has me in my rotund days sitting next to a guy that most people oh, that's don't funny. even And that picture is <laughs> Russ Reagan, one of my dearest friends ever in the music business, who passed away recently. And all he ever oh. signed was Neil Diamond, Elton John, Olivia John, <laughs> and Barry White. Only. And, wow. Only. Only. Two of us. You look Only. at those. The two of us didn't miss any meals in those days. Well, I gotta, I gotta come in here on something <laughs> really important. I, Holly, I gotta What's bring up a very important thing on my life where I was hooked up. Mm-hmm. Ron hooked me up with the Beach Boys, with me and Judith, and uh, it was a great experience. I mean, we're talking about history here, right, Ron? And so we went there, did our project, no changes at all. The cover came out beautiful, right? The multi-package with the Robert Lynn Nelson paintings, gorgeous, and. Um, it was a very important part of my life because the Beach Boys, when you work for a group like the Beach Boys, it's like mm-hmm. you're, in history, you're in major history, just like all the names we've oh, yeah. talked about. Right, right, Ron? Oh, yeah. Right. Well, you know, I've been very fortunate. I've traveled. I, I end my, my interview with you with this following statement, and it's in my book. I've been very fortunate as a kid from the south side of Chicago that was supposed to be a butcher's son, uh, <laughs> ended up traveling the world. <laughs> Uh, living with music, eating all over the world, meals that I never thought I'd ever get to eat, and having fun. I still get right. up in the morning and look forward to going to all work. All right, as long great. As you do that, you'll yep. be okay. You're right. You got it right there, Ben. That's so amazing. Right That's, Thank you for allowing me Ron. some stories and. Oh, uh, we anytime, love you, Ron. We love you, Ron. I'll be available. You know what? When you get your book out, gonna, let's get it on. Let's get it on when you get your book to, uh, together and publish. Definitely, you know? we will do a show. What I wanted to say, Ron, is we're going to be closing with another song that you chose, which is "Bad Out of Hell." Oh and, boy! Uh, All right. Yeah. There we go. We're going to. I'm going to be go. playing the whole song too, the whole nine You're minutes. Terrific. So. Um, I wish you. Were <laughs> yeah. I wish you were this, Jackie. I got an 11-minute song called The Chambers Brothers. Time has come today. Oh, oh yeah, great. time has come today. Oh, my God. I that's love that. That's great. Love well, it. you know, they used to say they never used to play songs longer on the air. Remember when right. Queen did uh, Bohemian Rhapsody and they were talking about yeah. it being seven minutes long? Nobody was going to play about, it. How about this one? How about this one? Again, try to listen to it all the way through. Beginnings on uh-huh. the first Chicago album. 11 minutes uh-huh. long. Yep. 11 minutes yep. long. Hey, Ron, i got to tell yep. you this. You're talking about the, the, the timing. We're talking about the timing. So You know what the shortest song that was ever done? I, I could tell you this one. M- remember a song called Ursula Hickey, Bluebirds Over the Mountain? It yes. was a, that I think it ran for a minute and one second, something like that. Some, All right, let me give you, because uh, I know you got to sign off. There is a song written by oh, no, Tony I Wine. send it. Tony, wait a minute. Tony Wine, very, very accomplished songwriter, groovy kind of love, uh, wrote a song that doesn't have one word in it, 
<laughs> that earns her a fortune every week, every wow. day. Okay. Really? And it was one of the first commercials. Do you remember wow. the Meow Meow commercial? Meow meow meow, meow 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 that's it? I know that song. Wow. I know Meow Mix. Of course. Meow, 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 meow. Meow, 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 meow. Yes. And I know the whole song. Are you kidding? Thank you for allowing me to tell a couple of the stories. God bless you guys. great. God bless you, Ron. And be well. We'll stay in touch. We'll stay in touch, Ron. Stay in touch. Anytime I can help you, let me know. Okay. We're there. Take care, Ron. Thank you. So we are going to end our show now with Bad Out of Hell. And we want to thank everyone, all our listeners, for listening today. And we will be back on the air Friday and uh, at our regularly scheduled time, 2 o'clock. And uh, that's it. So, Spencer, thank you for being here. And uh, with that, I'm going to end it with Bad Out of Hell. How's hey, that? Thanks, R- thanks, Holly. You're going to call me Ron. (laughs) Ron. All right. Here you guys go.
Breaking out of my body and flying away like a better. 